0: to episode 9 of the Sources Say Podcast, a brand new addition to the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Happy to be joined once again by two of the best recruiting insiders in the game. First, Travis Graff of Cats Illustrated. How are you doing today, man?
1: Doing great. Excited once again for another information-packed episode that everybody's been DMing me about all day. Some people asked me to leave work early so we could record uh- earlier, so... Yeah, it's it's been it's been
0: a hectic week. Um, you know, obviously the big 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 event this past weekend in Big Blue Madness uh, definitely sparked a lot of intrigue and interest from from fans. So um, with that, and, and David Sisk of of Cats Illustrated as well, uh, how are you doing today, man? You second second week on the job as our as our permanent co-host. How are you doing?
2: Doing great, man, and I uh, decided to come back for a second week, so you guys didn't wear (laughs) me out too bad. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Yep. um, And by the way, I I heard a lot of people wanted, they said they would foot the bill for Travis if he took off work early, and then they found out what he made per hour and they backed off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they didn't want to scrape up pennies in the... And the ashtray it put them over to, It put them
2: over to luxury tax <laughs> Well
0: very good Last week we broke down the recent Kentucky momentum With Cade Cunningham Devin Askew potentially being a silent commitment uh, Isaiah Todd cutting UK from his list A uh, whole, whole bunch of, of different topics If you missed that episode You can find it by searching for Sources Say Or the Sources Say podcast on iTunes Spotify Any of the, the other major podcasting apps It's there while you're at it, hit that subscribe button, leave us a five star review please and thank you uh it, it, we definitely appreciate that and it definitely makes us makes us look better um now before we get into the craziest of the craziness of this past week uh let me ask you, travis, are
1: you a fan of las Vegas? I've actually never been you've never been to I'm, las Vegas like judging by my personality you think i'd be an avid <laughs> vegas goer but i kind of
0: yeah yeah kind of uh, well well i have the absolute perfect opportunity for you the big blue nation takes over las vegas this december when kentucky basketball hits sin city the action tips with the kentucky versus utah game presented by uk healthcare and benefiting coaches versus cancer on wednesday december 18th at t-mobile arena BBN will have the opportunity to hit the links at the world-renowned Shadow Creek Golf Course on Friday, December twentieth, as part of the Golf Blue benefiting Coaches vs Cancer. The Cats then play the play in the the CBS Sports Classic on Saturday, December twenty-first. Visit BBN Vegas or follow on social media at BB in Las Vegas for full information, game tickets, hotel accommodations on the Las Vegas strip. You name it. They have it there for you. Go visit them. Um, I'm, I'll be out there. It's going to be a, one heck of a time, please. And thank you. Go through them for, for your Las Vegas uh, trip, trip services. And now let's get into the fun stuff that you guys all came here for. So this past weekend was Big Blue Madness where 10 elite prospects from the class of 2020, 2021, 2022, all took officials and unofficials to Lexington. Cade Cunningham, Paolo Banchero, Terrence Clark, Lance Ware, J.J. Tranner, uh Musa Cisse, Trey Kaufman, Brandon Miller – just to name a few, they were all there. Um, Before we dive into the specific recruitments and and all of that fun stuff, let's just talk about the general overview of Big Blue Madness in terms of recruiting. Travis, what were your just overall biggest takeaways from that event? And uh, if you were a high major recruit, would that have any effect on your decision?
1: I think high major recruits are the only ones that thoroughly enjoy Big Blue Madness, I'm convinced. It's just never been my thing. But if I'm a if I'm a high-profile recruit, I know that Calipari's speech is directly to me, and that it's c the rest of Big Blue Nation. It's all of recruiting pitch. Um, you could literally play play bingo every year with the, with the Calanisms, with the "you people are crazy, we eat first, uh, we move the needle," all that. But he made a great point of and made a great showing with a what's his name Buffer. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Michael Buffer, who's
0: the it, was it Michael Buffer? Because there's two of them. There's the the main oh, yeah. one Are that's
1: you talking
2: about the ring announcer. Yes. Yeah, Michael Buffer.
0: Yeah, because there's there's a main one that's been around forever, and then he's he's the uh, I believe the the new and improved brother with a, a brand new fresh uh breath breath of fresh air. If you say but he
1: had he had me <laughs> jacked up. Like I didn't care what sport it was. I don't care if it was lacrosse. He had me ready to root for that team. But the uh, yeah. That's definitely a straight-up recruiting tool.
0: Yeah, definitely. And David, do you have any quick Big Blue Madness takeaways? I know uh, all the way down in Tennessee, it's tough for you to get up to get up to see Big Blue Madness, but um, I'm sure you were at least at least following along on on social media. What did you think of it?
2: I, I think it has a big impact on the uh, younger recruits. I think uh, if you take a Cade Cunningham, somebody like that, you know, they they've been around, they've seen all the recruiting pitchers and everything, and and they're a little bit more hardened to it. But I think when you take some of these younger guys, 21s, especially 2022s that you know Kentucky's going to be really in on here in the future, uh, I think it really uh, kind of uh, burns in their psyche, and it's it's something they remember. And uh, then as things get more serious, you know, you're in a good situation. You go back and think of how many guys have been – a big blue madness before who have committed to Kentucky in this class uh, and, and, and came again. I think it was, you know, turns Clark second time. Yep. Uh, I, I think it makes a big impression on younger guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you brought up the, the big name prospect, Cade Cunningham. Um, I'm, I'm very certain that everybody listening to this is that's the main guy that you guys are focused on. Um, Real quickly, you know, the, the big news of, of, of Cade is the fact that immediately following his official visit, Evan Daniels put in a, a crystal ball pick on 24 7 Sports for Kentucky. Massive news. The dude's 42 for 42 in 2019 alone. I think he has a, a hit rate of 94% over his entire career. The dude does not put in picks unless he is fairly certain. Um, let's just, you know, let, let's just round table this because. This is definitely a thing that we need to just get into the nitty gritty of and, and something that the fans are definitely the most most focused on. So Travis, initial takeaways after Big Blue Madness, where is Cade Cunningham leaning?
1: I put in I don't have an official future cast yet because I'm not an analyst and I'm not a publisher. But I made a post on Twitter and a post on the House of Blue message board saying that I've like given the backstory what I said last last week about how they've never done this for a player, all that. Um, I put in a pick for UK, and I think UK's in a really good spot. here, Coming from three different sources, I've talked to people who know people around the Texas Titans organization, people who know guys on the staff at Oklahoma State, and people around the Kentucky program, and they all have general consensus that UK has probably taken over the top spot. I'm not pre- – like – how not worth this? I'm not guaranteed. I put in a pick for him to go to UK, but as we've seen the past year with Jade McDaniel's and other people, things can change last minute. I said last episode that it would take something like some serious information for me to change my pick from North Carolina that I've had for a month, and I've heard some different rumblings from different recruiting circles. So I made that pick.
0: David, what what are your Overall takeaways with Uh just Kentucky's overall momentum And uh, are you comfortable In saying that Kentucky's a leader at this point or, or are you going against the grain With uh um with this one
2: I went on Sunday night and, and put notes Up uh about the same time you did And um A couple things uh, As far as North Carolina and Oklahoma State go I, I talked to To people uh, it's really weird. Let me start out with Oklahoma State. You know, when you talk to people around there that uh, are familiar with that program, uh, they just don't – they don't say a lot. And uh, it's its really weird, too, guys who, who cover basketball out there or, or work, let's say, with different websites or whatever – they really don't talk that much to to the coaches, and mm-hmm. it's almost like it's it's you know they're they're so much into football right now. They're not doing a lot of basketball, so uh, it really kind of makes you wonder right there on Oklahoma State, just yeah, you know how much a guy like Cade Cunningham, you know, why would you do that when you know there, there's just places like Kentucky and North Carolina and others who love to have you. Um, one thing I have heard and and. I don't know that he would want us mentioning his name, but I did put it into my notes. Uh, and I know Travis talks to him as well, but there, there's a, a gentleman in, in Lexington who really, man, just really knows what's going on. And he, uh, he had said right at the time that I was making the post that he had kind of heard that maybe Oklahoma State was on the outs a little bit. I don't know if that's true. But you know, I kind of asked him what it was based on. He wasn't sure, but he says he thinks that perhaps they're having a hard time uh, getting a team or getting support around Cade. Yeah, uh, with a group that he would want to play with. And you know, you go to Isaiah Todd, who's going to make a decision between Michigan and Kansas. And Oklahoma State was heavily in. I thought that was a guy maybe that they thought they could get. Uh, uh JT Thor is another. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you just don't know what they can put around. Maybe that's an issue. And then I talked to another individual, uh, as far as, as, uh, North Carolina goes, you know, they got the Caleb Love commitment. And we've talked about it before. And I would think Cade Cunningham would, would, would trump Caleb Love, but they really like Bryce Thompson. Uh, yeah. At that shooting a guard point. spot, they can get him. I think they believe that's the backcourt. So, uh, I, I believe maybe, uh, you know, North Carolina could be in a situation, and we've seen this before with them, they may take a lesser, uh, uh, or a, a guy that's not ranked as high, I should say, and take him if they feel like it's a guy that they know they can get, yeah. and uh, are really work on that development. So, uh, it, I'll say this, I, I think it's, it's I'm, I'm not making a projection either way, because I'm hearing so much different ways, and I want to be sure, but I would definitely say it's trending toward Kentucky. I hear different things, but man, there's been a lot of positive talk around other programs where, you know, I could see Kentucky, you know, making that move.
1: Well, I think it's pretty telling whenever you have some somebody on staff at Oklahoma State telling people that he's going to Kentucky. I think that's what's really sticking out to me the most. What do you think about that, Jack? Yeah. I mean, it's,
0: it's, what, what's kind of crazy about this, kind of how this is all unfolding is that, Oklahoma State kind of seems like they're losing confidence in this. There are rumblings that North Carolina is strongly losing confidence in this, and that they're actually thinking that they're sitting number three behind both Oklahoma State and Kentucky. Um, I, I I don't know if I would go as far as to say that that Oklahoma State's. It, I mean, like the they're not pulling out of the they're race, even, out, no. even if, even if there are rumblings that they might be on the outs, they're not pulling out of the race. They're going to go through with this un, until the, the second he commits. But yeah, the timing of this is, it's definitely just, I, but I also question, okay, now if there are rumblings that Oklahoma state is, is down, down in this for, for now, at least North Carolina is, is slipping with this and Kentucky is trending why aren't there more people national guys? Why is Corey you know, guys, guys like Corey Evans? Why why isn't he going out there and saying, uh, Yeah, I, I think Kentucky's trending right now. I think I'd pick them to be the leader. Do you think that's because Evan Daniels went public with his his first commitment? And they just they don't want to feel like they're just following up, you know, the the hot shot recruiting expert to, with with their own picks, or do you think that uh, it's just they're just not willing to to put themselves out
1: there quite yet until they get more firm information. I think it's a combination of both. I think that, uh, like you said, I think a lot of people don't want to seem like they're telling Evan Daniels because I know he's a 24-7 guy, I'm a rivals guy, but Evan is damn good at his job. He only has five picks out right now. It's not like he's sticking his neck out there for every single recruit. He has five. He doesn't have a pick for a lot of the top guys, but Corey Evans is great too. Yeah. That's the guy that you mentioned. Uh, Another thing is these guys have had – him going to Oklahoma State for months, and it's been told it's a guarantee. I think they're going to have to see more than him coming off of, of a high. Like, because generally kids come off of highs at visits, and there's some smoke there. But there seems to be more smoke in this situation than just the program that he visited. You can count on on one hand
0: how many bad official visits have taken place publicly. You know, you you hear the Isaiah Stewart. At, at Kentucky, Patrick Patterson Patrick, at Duke, Patrick Patterson at Duke, EJ Montgomery maybe at Duke, or I mean that wasn't even really in a visit. It was him just kind of not vibing with yeah. the with the Duke guys. But I'll it, tell
2: you an interesting story, uh, and I told you guys this in, the, in on a text. Uh, back when Jerry Green was at Tennessee, they had an official visitor come in and uh, they forgot to pick him up at the airport. <laughs> he sat down there all night. So that, you could say that one went badly.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And, and luckily, Kentucky did not forget Cade Cunningham at the airport. They uh, rolled out the blue carpet for him. I'm just kind of running through kind of what, what I've heard because um, I know I know Kentucky fans like specifics. So um, first thing is I'm told that there was – so. Is the the second that Devin Askew left campus last weekend, the Kentucky staff felt extremely confident about him. Thought that they did enough to lock him up, and it wasn't a sense of okay, we're moving on to the you know the next big thing. It was a sense of okay. Check the box on that one. We did our job with this one. Now we need to go all in on on Cade coming in. We need to make sure that that he knows that he is wanted here. That we're going in for the kill with this. We're not playing any games. We don't care that his brother's hired on at, at Oklahoma State. We want to make sure that he is um, that that he feels that he's prioritized in, in the in the biggest way possible. Um, I confirmed with Cade on on that Monday that Calipari went to go visit him at his school. I'm told that the the basis of those conversations with, with between Cade and Calipari were kind of just focused on okay, what are you looking for in an official visit? Here's what we're kind of blueprinting right now. Here's kind of what our overall uh, our, our overall plan is. Is this what you're looking for? Is this you know because we want to we want to make sure that you come in and you and we hit an absolute home run with it. Uh, you know talked about specific roles how how he would how he would be utilized. Um, just just kind of planning for this big massive official visit, um, and then the official visit happened, and he went you know they went to Keeneland they went to the Kentucky versus Arkansas football game. What a what a game to go to with the with the crowd and the excitement around Jared Lorenzen Day and Lynn Bowden's big performance that was massive in itself. Um, they went to dinner at Jeff Ruby's that you know that's that's kind of become a staple of the Kentucky coaching staff that they've that they're they're they usually take. Their biggest targets there for their their official visits. Um, one of the things that kind of that, that kind of hasn't really gotten out there is the fact that there was a the, the Kentucky the Kentucky staff wanted to put together uh, a film session. They wanted to put together something for K to watch to know. Okay, here's how I would not be just simply utilized in this in the system, but um, kind of here's old Kentucky film. Here's Old Memphis film. Here's the, here's the stuff that okay, we're we're probably going to you know four out one end small ball, uh, you know dribble drive type system. Cade, we want you running the show with that. How are you going to be utilized? They watch Kate Cunningham film. They watch Kentucky film. They they, they got some guys that kind of compared to Kate and, and it was this massive display that they went above and beyond to go out of their way to make this happen. And I'm told it was a gold mine that it was just an absolute perfect display. Uh, it's something that Kentucky's that, you know, they've done film studies with recruits in the past, but this was something that definitely resonated well with him. It, it definitely, it was, it was definitely a home run, um, Terrence Clark, having him on campus was massive because Kentucky kind of brought him and said, dude, we need you to be the lead recruiter here. We need you to go all in on him say, here's how we're going to work together. And that was another part of the film, showing how Terrence and Cade would work together, maybe how Devin Askew would work together with him, the likes of B.J. Boston, maybe Paolo Banchero. We're going to be talking about him in a minute. But kind of just working through film and, and putting together all the possible scenarios and showing Cade, here's what we're doing. You're not gonna be. Uh, we're not gonna pamper you. You're not gonna earn. You, it's it's gonna be 100% earn, not given. Ha ha ha. Um, but it, they did a phenomenal job with that. Terrence Clark was it was incredible with that. Um. Um. So yeah, it, it, from from what I've heard, it was phenomenal. Speaking of Paulo, um, he was also there. Uh, Dave, is there any um, any update on on? Paolo in, in terms of what you're hearing In, in terms of, of Kentucky momentum Or just kind of what are your overall thoughts Thoughts on him
2: Well you know I've I thought in the past That you know he might uh, Might be a kid who uh, Could Stay on the west coast uh, You know there's so many ties Out there with the University of Washington He's a local and like we said last Week you know I just have a, and It might have been the time before but um, I, I just have so much Jade McDaniels going through my mind. I, <laughs> I don't blame somebody you. coming out Jaded by Jaden. But yeah, but um you know, we we we've all heard the rumors this week, uh that uh is he the guy that uh uh B J Boston was talking about? You know, it, it, did he uh you know, is there a silent commitment? We've heard all that and I don't know that there's any way of knowing you you guys have done it so well at having boots on the ground and uh, you hear so much of what's going on there. But I think when I think about him, you know, I think the talk gets more and more, even among national analysts that, yeah, he, you know, he could definitely leave the West coast. And if he does, you know, Kentucky could be an obvious uh, spot for that. But, you know, like I said, I'll say the same thing. And I said about Cade to miss the team USA uh, uh, camp in Colorado Springs to come to Kentucky uh, over the weekend, to me, that's a huge statement because uh, I, wo- I, I work and follow a couple different sites on Rivals uh, team sites, and like I told you guys before we come on, I will list, if there's a guy that takes an official visit to any of these places, um, any of these schools, any other official they take, I have it down, and I would have as many as 20 or 30 official visits per weekend listed, and it's been like that all the way from the first week of August on until last week, and there were a handful. If you took Kentucky out of the equation, maybe two or three, yeah. uh, it was really cut down, and that was because of the Team USA camp. So for both of those guys to come, that made a statement to me. I don't think they were – I don't think Piala was playing around – so he could miss that, so he could go to Big Blue Madness. I I, I, I think there was something behind it, and I think if he would come there, then I think he is taking Kentucky very, very seriously.
0: Definitely, and and Travis, so you know the the the, the BJ Boston went on Hey Kentucky last week, and he said, I can't tell you. So the, the, he was asked the question, what are what's Kentucky doing in the front court? They're they're in great position with all these big men, but. Uh, definitely seems like there's a lot of it's too quiet or about the front court. And, and he's kind of said something along the lines of, Don't worry about it. We have one coming in. Don't worry. I can't tell you who it is. Um, so uh, initially people thought that it was, it was Scotty Barnes. There were kind of some, some brief rumblings initially that it was Scotty Barnes. Um, can he kind of randomly included Kentucky in his final four, later cut Miami and made it a final three. Um, Florida State had been picking up a bunch of momentum over the last several weeks but but Kentucky was kind of randomly making sense when and when you connect the dots it, it did kind of make sense. He ended up committing to Florida State on Monday. Uh Travis, you were kind of the first person to to kind of break the news that Paolo is actually uh the player that that BJ Boston was talking about. Tell me what you know about Paolo and uh what what it means for for Kentucky's chances with him.
1: Yeah, this is uh definitely not a guarantee by any means on Palo Bancaro, but by process of elimination, I'd kinda gone it down to I thought it could either be Scotty Barnes or Palo. Scotty was just kind of out of left field and he uh randomly included UK in his top schools, like you said. All the other guys didn't make sense that UK's recruiting. And then Palo, he kinda made sense. He was another guy that I thought could have been, and then somebody DM me. Uh, what was it? Sunday night, and said that he saw Paolo with the other twenty twenty recruits and Tyrese Maxey, Whitney, and a few others at a frat party. I don't know if they want that out there, but <laughs> the uh, he said that he was going around telling people I'm UK commit, I'm going to Kentucky. And then he looked at the visitor list. That was posted on Rivals and it looked like, or he said it looked like Paolo Bancaro, the number two big man in the 2021 class. And then I said, you sure it wasn't a Lance Wright? right? Like they kind of could resemble each other, especially if you're at a party. And he said, no, Paolo has a really distinct face. It was definitely Paolo. So, but you also have to take that with a grain of salt. Because how many times do people go on official visits or any type of visit and they're like, oh yeah, I'm coming here, blah, 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 just to get special treatment and special attention. So. Yeah, um, it, it's
0: it, as soon as the the Scotty Barnes silent commitment talk kind of kind of ramped up, the it, it kind of it just never made sense because this is a guy that at. I believe back in February, he cut he cut his list to eight and included Kentucky. And ever since then, Kentucky wasn't included at all. I mean, even at, even at Peach Jam, somebody asked him, "What are the five schools you're focusing on?" Um, and he listed five five names, and and none of them were were Kentucky. Meaning they were one of the very first cuts from from his initial big cut of eight. So there was never any buzz there. And then, oh, um, it was kind of kind of strange that once. Cade Cunningham got the initial visit to start the fall recruiting period from John Calipari. Um, it did make sense that it, that Cal was at least going to check in on Scotty and, and, you know, they go to the same school. So it made sense for him to just go, hey, have you had a, ch- you know, a, a change of heart? Are you still pretty sold on other schools? Are you interested in, in Kentucky? And I don't know if there was a, a, a kind of a – moment of of clarity for Calipari where he wanted to he thought that he had an open door to that and continue to recruit him because he then went to go see, see Kate again visited Scotty during during that same visit once once again and then uh this past weekend actually he scheduled a an, an official visit for this coming weekend for the for the for the blue white game and that talk kind of that talk kind of went hand in hand with this the silent silent commit talk literally the bj boston went on hey kentucky on thursday and then the silent and and then the scotty barnes news came out on on saturday so that definitely lined up but it it just never made sense in terms of an interest standpoint because florida state had picked up so much buzz but
1: Paolo, that's another thing real quick uh that's what kind of gave me pause on scotty being the the quote silent commit was I talked to somebody that's really, really good friends with and goes to church with Scotty and knows his family and all of his friends and he said everybody down there was saying Florida State, Florida State, Florida State, no Kentucky talk whatsoever. So and one
2: I... thing about Scotty too, and I mentioned this Sunday night, you know, he came out over the weekend in an interview with USA Today and said he wanted to be primarily a point guard. And I knew then if that was the case, which he come right out of his mouth. And that wasn't going to work at Kentucky. You know, they they if they were talking to him, they were not talking to him about you know coming in to be the point.
0: And my thinking is, if you're Scotty, okay, they're talking about about Cade being the one. You're, they're talking about Terrence Clark being the two, B.J. Boston being the three, and you put Scotty there at the four as a small ball four. Utilize him as a, you know, Calipari is very obviously wanting a, a team full of guys that are not shooting liabilities on the floor that they can pick the ball up and go, uh, you know, from the baseline or, or off a rebound. That he just wants a team that is just a go 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 type style, and Scotty fits that to a T. I mean, he would be a point forward at Kentucky. So, I do think Kentucky had a at least a counter to. To Scotty's argument that he wanted to be a point guard But if he was looking to be A pure ball handler At Kentucky he was sadly mistaken And and that might have been the Kind of the breaking point where They were just never able to come come to a Full agreement um, One thing I did hear that was very interesting about Scotty Is that once Leonard Hamilton At Florida State caught wind of Scotty scheduling an official To Kentucky he went out Of his way to do Anything possible to not to to basically not let him get to Lexington because he knew that Kentucky could have potentially sealed the deal. Uh, Scotty was looking to commit in October um, or early November, so I was told that. And I
2: would expect. Uh, I w- I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I would expect that that they they told him to at Florida State that hey you can you can be the point guard. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I would say that just that
1: to find out hand that he's hand. not going to be the point guard.
0: Yeah, that that goes hand in hand with with that. I, I think. Leonard Hamilton kind of had a conversation with him early in the week and kind of said, look, if you go to Kentucky, they're going to sell you on all these things. Uh, They're going to lie to you. They think they're going to sell you on being a point forward. They're going to sell you on having the ball in your hand. They're going to to give you all these big, big dreams and promises. And and I I swear that they're not going to be able to live up to those like I'm able to and kind of had this last ditch, please, for the love of God, don't go visit Kentucky this weekend. And – Looks like it happened. I mean, that looks like
1: his his pitch worked. And and I definitely think that UK wanted Scotty throughout the end. I don't think this is a case of UK backing off. No, I uh, uh-uh. just for people that there's some people like, oh, this spot's been taken. I don't think that's the case. It's a good fit. I mean, if if like like we just talked about,
0: if if Calipari was looking for a small ball four, and at six foot nine, two hundred fifteen pounds, like that's a perfect. I mean that he he would be the perfect guy in that scenario. You get a Greg Brown, uh, you know, you get a Greg Brown, you get a Palo Banchero or something like that. Uh, to to and I know Greg Brown's smaller and he he'd be better suited as a as a four, but just having those other options, at least getting Scotty on board immediately would have been would have been massive. And I do think Kentucky was making that push, but uh, it it just it obviously didn't make sense in the very end. He ended up committing to Florida State, and now Kentucky is ready to go all in on Paolo. I, he actually came on this podcast, that, uh, I believe it was our, the, the week three podcast, if you want to go back and listen to that interview. He came on and actually said that he is not interested in a reclass. He actually said, I don't even know if it'd be possible for me to reclassify to, to 2020, um, just based on grades and all that stuff, but... Guys, the rumors continue that he is that he that he's going to end up in the class of 2020. Uh, Travis, do you do you get the feel that um, when it's all said and done, that that Palo will be a 2020 commit?
1: They're talking about him possibly deciding soon. Um, and if he was going to be a 2021 kid, I don't think that would be the case. I think he's telling everybody that I listen that he's going to be 2020. But at the end of the day, or, 2020. or 2021. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he's going to end up. He's too good to spend another year in high school and all the buzz has always been Washington because of his parents' connections and he's practically grown up on campus, but I think he's going to end up at a Blue Blood or possibly Tennessee. There's been some rumblings that he wanted to team up with Kennedy Chandler at Tennessee, but Kennedy Chandler is like a 90% lock to Memphis. So I think I think Kentucky's in a good spot for him. And Dave, who who are the national guys that put in uh, future cast for Palo not too long ago, within like the last month or so?
2: you read my mind, actually um on rivals out of the three national analysts uh two of them uh dan mcdonald and Corey evans have both put in um future cast for uh kentucky uh i asked Corey about it he said that was a you know a while back that was in august uh so anything that really went with it then probably wouldn't now so he's just probably waiting to hear some news um but, but Dan did it September the 13th, if I'm not mistaken, was to date. Uh, you know, I, I I looked over on the 247 side, and a lot of those guys, or every one of them have picked Washington. Uh, and, and like we said, we can talk about it here on the podcast, even though we, we work with rivals. But one guy that I would really watch on his uh, on his crystal ball on that side is um, Josh Creshawn, and – uh, the reason is uh, there's probably nobody in, in the country who knows the West Coast as well as he does. He has his own scheduling service, and it's predominantly California and the West Coast. So he is really hooked in there. He's got a Washington lean right now. So I, I, I would really be watching him and see what he says. Um, and let me say this, too. he's uh, He had a Kentucky official. He's got one to Duke set up for uh, this weekend and then Tennessee next weekend. And then he has one for Gonzaga uh, on January 17th. So I would uh, just kind of be interesting to see, you know, and you could take as a junior, you can take five official visits now, Mm -hmm. but it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens after that Tennessee visit uh he'll have you know he'll have all of you know he'll have them in not all of them but he'll have some big ones in and if he is going to make a decision you know he's got some things to go on as as far as which school he likes you know who knows what he's going to do as far as reclassification it'll be up to him but uh you know he's got some things to uh choose from
0: yeah i mean the timing of it he, I, think, I believe he came on the podcast and said that he wanted to come up with something prior to the high school basketball season. I don't know if it was a um, – he already made a, a, an official list cut, but, I mean, it, it's kind of tough to say a list cut is it, at 10 is much of a cut. Um, I think he did say that he wanted to kind of make a major step forward prior to his his junior season. So – I don't know if that's a final cut to five. I don't know if that's a uh, an actual college decision. If if he is planning on on reclassifying and and, and going to 2020 and, and and wanting to get get his decision out of the way, it seems like that's kind of been the big trend for guys like you know what we just saw with Terrence Clark and what's what's looming with uh, uh, with Devin Askew. So the timing is definitely something to watch. The Kentucky buzz is definitely picking up. Um, I. I I really don't think that he'll end up at Washington anymore I mean when he came on when he came on our podcast he was kind of dismissal or dismissive of Washington a little bit he said you know I said why not why not take an official to Washington he said well I'm 20 30 minutes away from campus if I really want to I will um, but then he also said something along the lines of my father and mother went to Washington but the Washington then is not the same Washington that it is today. Uh, well, that was kind of a telling, telling quote. It just reading the tea leaves with that one more than anything. It just, it, he, if you take his words for, for what they are, uh, it definitely feels like it's trending away from Washington and, and kind of the general scuttle, but is that he's going to end up at a national national powerhouse with Kentucky kind of being the, the leader right now. Um, we kind of, we, we went through the two, the two main guys in, in Cade and in Paolo, as far as the Big Blue Madness visitors go, uh, guys. Can you- I
2: say one more thing about Kate before you move on? Sure. Uh, I know you'd asked about uh, the the Evan Daniel uh, prediction and, and ask about what Corey had thought there, and, and I, one reason I wanted to say this, I've I've talked to Corey about this before, and it was really when I, I first got started in Rivals, and I remember the conversation just like we just had it. And I, I asked him about what do you make of, and I believe Angel, Evan Daniels had made a prediction for a player somewhere. And I don't even remember who, what, school, anything. But I remember asking Corey about it. And Corey said, I'll be honest with you, I don't look at other sites. I don't know what they've done. Uh, he said, I'll make the prediction on my sources and and what I am hearing. So I, I just wanted to go back to K for a minute. I, from what? Corey told me, and I I trust him exclusively on, on, I mean, I I believe what he's telling me. Uh, I don't think that, that uh, Evan Daniel making a projection for Kentucky is going to influence him in any way. I think he wants to see probably what he does here in the next few weeks. Uh, You know, what, what, what the news is, you know, coming out after Kentucky and, Uh, I think he's got another visit set up. So, will he take that? Uh, What are the rumblings to come out? So, you know, he he could make – he could change what he's thinking from Oklahoma State and move to Kentucky. I mean, he could do that like snapping his fingers uh, in the next few days or few weeks. But I think it's going to be based on what he's – you know, what he's hearing.
1: That's definitely one of the reasons why Corey's one of the best in the game. He doesn't let other people's picks and opinions affect him. Uh, What – Real quick, you saw that Evan. I mean, uh, Corey said on uh, Rivals that UK had a lot of ground to make up. We're like still had like a lot of ground to make up. Did we talk about that yet? Mm-mm. Uh. What did What did you no, make of that ahead, comment, go David? Go for it.
2: Um. I think it's just Oklahoma State, you know, they've been considered a favorite for a long time and that ground might've got, it it may be, uh, already made up. Uh, like I said, I just think it's something that he's just got to fill out and see. Now, now here's the interesting thing. Cade's got an official visit set up this weekend for Washington of all places. And, you know, we've talked about, uh, uh, Banchero and the Washington connections there. So, uh, and, and I have no idea. I expect him to take the visit, but who knows? You know, it would be a great sign for Kentucky if that thing got canceled. So, you know, who knows what's, what he's going to do? But after he takes that one, uh, you know, that's his final official. Uh, I know this from talking to Corey. He thinks that he's going to take the visits and then he's going to sit down with his family and then they're going to uh, measure everything out. Now, I know this. From talking to him in the past, he says that he knows Cade really well uh, and that family well, too. And he says they are, as tight Lipton's professional about this, there's no leaks. Uh, And one other thing, he says Cade is really, I said this last week, if there's a poker player out there, it's Cade in his group. He's really stone-faced. He doesn't give anything away. Uh, You know, he's got that poker face, and and he knows how to – He knows how to go about it without, you know, things getting out. So he thinks that, you know, he's not a guy that's going to be influenced by, you know, big blue madness or anything like that. But he would be influenced when he gets, you know, back in uh, Jeff Ruby Steakhouse with a big time presentation from the Kentucky coaches of exactly how it's going to impact him you know, at Kentucky, if that's where he chooses to go. So I, I, he tends to think that they're going to just weigh everything out after all these visits and it will be a very cerebral calculated um, decision that's not based on emotion.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's what makes me feel so confident in Kentucky at this point is because Cade K- – you know, I, I had heard going into the visit. I, I wrote about this in, in my insider notes post last week that Cade was not going to be a guy that cared about the the lights and the pyrotechnics and the the smoke show and the and the 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 big show aspect of Big Blue Madness. He wanted to see a blueprint. He wanted to see where the heck am I going to fit in 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 this system? How am I going to be fitting in in this offense? Uh, the the potential guys that are going to be joining me there, and that's that's definitely something that that holds true to this day. I think Kentucky did a phenomenal job in in making sure they they didn't go they, they they didn't focus too much on the show aspect and the facilities and showing off the the just how much Kentucky is better in that sense, but more so what he what Kentucky is going to do to make sure that he is the number one draft pick uh, in in twenty twenty one. David. And and if indeed,
2: you know, he is, as we were told, he is looking at what Oklahoma State might or might not be able to put around him, that's just further proof of what we're saying, that, you know, he's taking everything into consideration.
1: Yeah. I also want to reiterate that, like I said last episode, that there's some rumblings from people that know guys on the Oklahoma State staff that they might not be there regardless next year. Mike Boynton might be gone, which means that his brother might be gone Will probably be gone right along with him due to some disciplinary stuff behind the scenes. So that's going to be something to watch as well. Yeah, I mean, Kate. Kate is a guy that is—he's very smart. Like you said, he's—he's
0: he's not going to commit based on um, just loyalty to his brother, or he—he he wants to go somewhere where he feels that you know maybe he feels that his brother you know he's he's been trained by his brother he's worked you know done workouts with his brother maybe he just has that sense of familiarity with his brother and thinks that his brother's the one guy that's going to develop him the most to be a a top pick that might be a thing but I I don't think he's just going to make this pick out of loyalty and I don't think that his brother's going to push him to make a pick out of loyalty I think his brother's kind of a realist I think he knows if you look at track records
1: Cannon Cunningham versus Kenny Payne and definitely definitely
0: and I that's definitely that was definitely Kentucky's pitch um um David real quick outside of the main two at Big Blue Madness that we talked about in Kate and, and Paolo um are you hearing anything about any of the the lesser not necessarily lesser known guys but guys that just aren't as um not as much as has been made about their their visits and and just their recruitments as, as a whole because they're the younger guys have you
2: heard anything about those about any of them i, I I think you've got to look at at uh, some of the kids who, you know, could potentially be big time Kentucky recruits. And when I say big time, I mean serious recruits by Kentucky, and are just not going through the motions. And you're coming on an unofficial visit to take in the, the fireworks. Um, I, I'll let Travis talk about JJ Trainer. Obviously, that's somebody he's watching very closely, and he should. But I know Brandon Miller uh i know the bradley bill guys bradley bill elite on ybl i've known those guys for years and uh there's one or two guys there that i really have great relationships with and they'll they'll call me all the time about guys but they called me uh, they'd asked me if i knew a kid named brandon miller this has been uh, over a year ago um he goes to cane ridge high school up in the nashville area and uh he He'd asked me if I knew about him. I said I did, but I, as far as having contact information and all that, I didn't. Uh, and, and he ended up playing for Bradley Bill. And the first practice that he goes to, this guy calls me and he says, man, you need to get a hold of guys in Kentucky. <laughs> you know, they are they're, 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 they're need to look at him. He He's going to be the next great one out of Nashville. And, you know, when we think guys out of – there have not been many – for a town size. You know, you go back and think about Ron Mercer and you think about um, uh, Brandon Wright and, and uh, Darius Garland most recently, that, you know, he could be one of the top four or five players ever come out of that city. And, you know, he's definitely going to be a kid in that 2022 class that uh, Kentucky's going to have serious interest in. You know, he's going to be a five-star top-ten player probably. And uh, so – In that situation, Kentucky gets him in early. He's in Nashville. He's three hours or less on a car ride from Lexington. So, you know, there's a ton. Trust me, there are a ton of Kentucky fans in the Nashville area and 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 right around. So, you know, that's a good natural fit. And uh, Kentucky, you know, has a chance to get in on early on a guy that that I think they're going to probably offer in years to come.
0: Very interesting. We can we can move on from there and and go to some of the guys that were not at Big Blue Madness but have definitely made some recent uh some some pretty loud recent noise. Um, Greg Brown is is the main one. 2020 top ten prospect, um, bouncy pogo stick forward. I mean he's he's just um, easily one of the most athletic athletic forwards in the nation. Um, he was actually at the, the team USA mini camp that, that David was talking about earlier. and in several different media sessions, he actually said that his first order of business after his trip to Colorado Springs this weekend was to reach out to Cade's camp and ask about the visit, ask about Kentucky, um, just kind of see what the what the overall pitch was and, and all of that stuff. Guys, what are – you know, Travis, we can start with you. What are your initial thoughts on, on Greg Brown's comments, uh, him saying that he was was definitely interested in playing together with, with Cade Cunningham? And uh, just, you know, if you get Cade, can we start feeling pretty pretty good about Greg Brown?
1: Um, like you said, Cade is definitely the first domino to fall. Um, talk to people clo- that know people inside the Texas Titans organization, like I said earlier. That are pushing Cade to Kentucky, or, which is massive. That needs yeah, that needs to be highlighted.
0: That, His Cade is a guy that is that is very close to those Texas Titan guys and and, and re- respects their opinions and
1: they're pushing. That's another pushing thing. Kentucky. That I'll add um, earlier. I kind of touched on the Texas Titans stuff with Cade, but there's other players in that organization that are telling people that aren't connected to Kentucky that he's going to Kentucky and when that domino falls, there's going to be so many players that want to play with Cade. Greg Brown, specifically, because he's another guy that the Titans will push to UK, I feel like. And I honestly think it's just like, of Smart is not a good coach. And if you're, I'm <laughs> Tell us blown, how you really feel about him. I'm just gonna about, be him. about it. He's still <laughs> like, he's like Tom Crean was in Indiana. He was living off one good year at Marquette with Dwayne Wade. Now, He's living off of that little run he had at VCU still. He hasn't done anything at Texas. I think that he might not even survive this year. And if you're making a business decision, you have to pick between Shaka Smart and John Calipari and Kenny Payne developing you as a big man, all-around big man. Because like he said today in an interview, he is the best basketball player that doesn't know how to play basketball. Mm -hmm. He's just out there running. He's just more athletic than everybody. He hasn't even learned the game yet. And once – Cal Perry and um, Kenny Payne teach him all the ins and outs of that, I think he's going to be phenomenal. And I think he would be guaranteed top 10 to pick if he went to Kentucky. But main thing I want out of this whole segment is to hit home that the Titans are really, really for and advocating for um, Cunningham and Brown to go to Kentucky. David, what are your thoughts on on Greg Brown?
2: He, uh, Jonathan Giovanni's got him number nine in the 2021 draft. Um, and just to go back to uh, Corey and, and uh, Eric Bossy seeing him over the weekend, uh, I'll just read you the paragraph right quick. Uh, Greg Brown is from a planet, but it might not be named Earth. He's an absolute alien athletically and put on one of the most prolific in-game dunking exhibitions we've ever seen at USAB were browned between-the-leg dunks for him to appear to carry the same degree of difficulty as warm-up layups. The dunks he was doing while just messing around with the other guys were even more ridiculous and would win just about every any dunk contest. But more importantly, his jump shot looked as good as ever. He was active on the glass and switches all over the floor. Um, and they've also said that, uh, going back and looking at the other one, earlier today – Corey said, "If if Cunningham does, and I'm I'm quoting here, does commit to Kentucky, that decision would weigh some on Greg Brown. The two are good friends and just finished playing alongside each other on the travel circuit this summer. Uh, he thinks Memphis is there as well. That Memphis and Texas. If K didn't go to choose Kentucky, then those are the two schools kind of separate itself. I think it would be Texas." Just simply, he's from Austin, mm-hmm. and he's been over there so much. But, um, you know, when I watched him over the spring and summer, he was one of those guys, it's just hard for me to believe that um, he's 6'8", and that's what yeah. he's listed. Man, he's so long, and he dominates boards, and he's got a big frame. And
1: Who does he remind he, you uh, of?
2: I don't know man but
1: I think I came up with the, uh... I look
2: at him and I'm going you know he's 6'11. There's no way yeah. he's 6'8. He's just that kind of guy. Uh so he um you know he he he's just he he looked to me like in in the modern day game a true true post player. And I'll say one other thing too. You talk about the Texas Titans, the founder and people can go in and Google uh, the founder of that program is a guy named Kenny Trout, mm-hmm. T-R-O-U-T-T, uh, a billionaire who, who kind of founded that program, wanted his son to have a place to play. But if I understand correctly what I've been told, he is from Kentucky. So there are, uh, I think there are some ties with that program, you know, that, that goes back to the state.
0: Yeah, Julius Julius Randall was a guy that uh, oddly enough n- not really similar to Cade Cunningham's recruitment but just in terms of Julius Randall was expected to go to Kansas for a for several weeks um, and then out of nowhere he kind of once he made his commitment he he showed the world that he was he was going to Kentucky, and he actually had a phone case customized for Kentucky. And he said, "I've been I, I've been smoke screening everybody for for a long time now. I've been silently committed under under the table for several weeks. So the connections are there. Um, there are definitely some rumblings that 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 Kenny Trout is is definitely pushing both uh, both Cade and Greg Brown to Kentucky. Um, yeah, Greg
2: Brown. He he. I'm sorry. He is actually. He's he was born in Illinois, but um, he owns the sole owner of I I'm I'm on Wikipedia. The sole owner of Windstar Farm
0: Though, in the Kentucky. Yeah. Yep.
2: And uh he has had horses that have won the Kentucky Derby twice. And uh um so, you know, there's a lot, uh, and I think he has is really taken part uh, in some politics in Kentucky so that there's definitely ties like we said with with the state and in him
0: definitely yeah and just looking at kind of order order of events with Cade Cunningham potentially committing here in, in the next couple couple weeks/month i think he he said he kind of had a target date of of Thanksgiving there's a Thanksgiving basketball event um but do you know where that is david the big national one that he was talking about where he'd commit
2: um, there's one uh, that they play, I'll think of it. It's in Texas over Thanksgiving. It's one of the biggest high school events. Give me just a minute. Now I'll, I'll, I'll have that.
0: Yeah. Regardless, it's, it's a a massive event that, that he said that it would be cool to commit in front of his home state and kind of his friends and family at such a big national turn, you know, a national tournament with, with a bunch of other elite, elite prospects there. But, Going back to Cade and, and Greg Brown's relationship, they are extremely close. Their chemistry on the on the floor was just something that you 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 had to watch in person to to you know you, it was just one of those you have, you have to see it to believe it type things. Um, they they just had such strong chemistry through alley oops to one another like it was their job. There are highlight videos all over YouTube of just <laughs> those two playing together because their their chemistry was so strong. So it's it's not a surprise at all that. Greg Brown wants to play with Cade Cunningham and Cade Cunningham wants to play with, with Greg Brown, both, both ways. And I think Greg Brown actually said in a recent interview, they asked him if Cade, um, if Cade had talked to him about playing together and, and Greg was actually the one that said Cade was Cade was the one that initiated the contact and said, let's make this happen. So, um, behind closed doors, they're definitely, they're definitely talking about playing together and, uh, if you're looking for a perfect fit, Cade running the one and and Greg Brown being the four, with potentially Paolo being the silent commit behind behind closed doors. You look at that starting five. I'm I'm telling you, I I don't know if there's another another start starting five I'd I'd put against those those guys next year.
1: The uh, the Thanksgiving tournament you're talking about was just the Aussies. That it's the 11th annual Thanksgiving Hoop Fest, and they've got
2: Duncan Duncanville, Texas. Yeah.
1: They have uh, yeah. Kay Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, um, B.J. Boston playing there. Jalen Green. The it's uh,
2: actually where they uh, they went to recruit Cameron Fletcher last year, that that was one thing that impressed him, that they came down to you know over Thanksgiving weekend to watch him play in Texas, and I think that went a long way in uh, in uh, impressing him early on
1: with them. I think that uh, if you're try- – I was trying to think of a player comparison for Greg Brown earlier, and the only U.K. comparison I could come up with was sophomore skinny P.J. Washington with, bam, autobio, athleticism. Hmm. Because he is pretty decent from outside. Yeah. He's not as good as from outside and doesn't have as good of ball skills as P.J., but you're nitpicking trying to find the perfect combination of U.K. players to yeah. build a player. But- yeah, P.J. Th- – he can hit outside shots. He can hit threes. Greg can definitely. Yeah, PJ
0: definitely definitely relied more on pure brute strength and and played more bully ball. Than, Greg's more wiry, but, but oh, it, he's he's just a human pogo stick. But yeah, I mean, um, Greg Brown is a top ten recruit in the nation for a reason. I mean, he's he is a. Um, and a top ten potential draft pick for a reason because athletic, in terms of his athleticism, uh, he's second to none. I mean, he's he is a superstar in that regard. Uh, and he's like like Travis said, he's definitely figuring out his ball skills. Somebody said learn- like Aaron
1: Gordon. That's
0: that. That's, a great, a, that's a great. That's a great comparison. One. And and look at how Aaron Gordon's game has progressed at the NBA level. I mean, he's yep. a dude. He's a dude that everybody thought of. Uh, he, he was one of those guys that when he came out of high school, everybody said, "Okay, well, yeah, he's dunking on everybody in in high school." And uh, that's all he can do. He's playing against lesser competition. Of course, he's gonna be able to dunk all over everybody. What's he gonna do at the college level? He gets to the college level and he uh, he he starts figuring out his you know, low low post moves. He's building on muscle, building up strength, uh, kind of working on his touch down low. And and now at the NBA level, he is turned into a legitimate low post threat on top of being the athletic uh athletic freak freak of nature that he is. So, yeah, that's that's a very interesting interesting comparison. Um definitely interesting to see how his recruitment unfolds. Moving on to another guy that made interesting comments at in in Colorado Springs, Devin Askew, a guy that we talked about him potentially being a silent commit last week, um kind of feeling our extremely positive vibes from his official visit last week. He said this weekend for the very first time that he would be more than open to playing with Kate Cunningham at the college level, massive news. Um and that he was also once again open to reclassifying. Said that he he kind of said something along the lines of I want to still be a McDonald's All-American. I want to be a Jordan Brand classic. Um I want to make that game. I want to play in the the Nike Hoop Summit. He wants to play in all those events uh, and still experience the high school life. So it is he said I, I want to focus on my season right now and then make a decision on reclassifying after the season. Um guys, where I don't know if you guys are going to definitely change your mind on your your Kentucky Kentucky momentum, but in terms of his his reclassification, um are you guys still still feeling pretty strongly that he'll end up in the class of 2020?
1: I think so. Um I've said all along that I think he's going to be class of 2020. I think the only re- only reason he wouldn't is if he decides to wait till the spring to announce that. Which I think he might, and then UK ends up getting a guy or two back that they didn't expect. But I think UK is going to sell him on because he's not going to be one and done no matter where he goes. Um, there's quite a bit of holes in his game. I'm not ready to say he's a surefire one in, or one and done high first round NBA pick ever. Honestly, the uh, but I think that UK can sell him on coming in and being the two year player and going against Cade. You're in I mean uh, day in, day out for the first year and then the second year it he has free reign, like they probably won't recruit anybody over him and he gets to run that team and it's his show.
0: David, are you thinking the same thing reclassification wise?
2: Yeah, I just don't know why you do it now and not um and not decide to uh reclass. Now, yeah, I remember I said the same thing about Tyrese Maxey two years ago. And I was totally wrong on that one. I said Kentucky and a reclass and there was a Kentucky and no reclass. Yeah. So, um, but I think for all of the, the reasons Travis mentioned, um, you know, he can come in as a freshman. There's a lot, a lot of pressure on him and, you know, he, he can still play some, he gets that in practice every day. Uh, and, and, you know, it, there's great improvements. Now, let me say this, obviously, none of us have gone so far yet to say Cade Cunningham is going to be a Kentucky wildcat. I mean, as far as just like a dead sure lock. Yeah. I made I made a, I made a future cast, but that uh, was it. Right, right, right. But you know, I, I, I think even the most, uh, you could take the most positive thinker in the world about this and, and that thinks he's going to Kentucky and they would probably say, well, I know there's probably a chance that he wouldn't. So, you know, I, I think there may still be a lot to wait and see what Tate Cunningham does. So let's say Tate Cunningham doesn't come, then I think there's no doubt that you know there's a huge push for him to come 2020, but but if Tate does, then you know there's still benefits to be reaped uh you know if he does move on and uh play you know next year.
0: Yeah, actually to to kind of step back a, a bit you bring up Tyrese Maxi. Um, actually, I, I believe I believe Tyrese put on his Instagram story or something from the UK football game this this past weekend, and he was with uh, he was with Cade Cunningham, and and he was kind of seen as the as the his lead recruiter of sorts in terms of the 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 active Kentucky players. What a bang-up job from the Kentucky coaching staff to put Tyrese Maxey on Cade Cunningham in terms of, okay, Tyrese Maxey, his father was hired at at SMU, and Kentucky got him to go against the grain, go against w- where his father was, and end up with Kentucky. And I know he, uh, his father technically was not part of the the coaching staff. Once it kind of became apparent that he was not going going to SMU anymore, but for Kentucky to, to kind of put Ty- Tyrese on on Cade's recruitment and say sell him on going against the grain, not going with your father, being a Texas kid, going you know going with going against the grain in, in that regard and and not signing with with the school everybody expects you to sign with and, and go go to the school that best suits you for your NBA career, that was a phenomenal job on on in that regard um, moving back to Devin Askew um, Travis are you still this has not changed your mind at all about that De- Devin Askew going to Kentucky You you still think he's he's done deal to Kentucky
1: I still think he's done deal to Kentucky it would take something catastrophic for me to change my mind David
2: yeah I agree um, you know we were we were kind of saying on on that you, you guys have have done such a good job of of breaking news and all that. And uh, especially what's going on in Lex. And I guess my one brag would be uh, we were kind of saying, Devin asked you when, when, you know, Louisville was trending so much. So, I mean, I I definitely don't see any reason to back off now when it it appears he's got all the momentum.
0: Yeah. Um, to, kind of close out on, on Devin Askew. I actually talked to somebody this weekend um, close to the Kentucky program, and uh, Devin has been telling people uh, in the Lexington area while he was on his visit that not only was he coming to, coming to Kentucky, that he's actually been not – not silently committed. I don't think you, I, I can go that far, but uh, at least letting people know close to him that that he was he was all in on Kentucky. So the buzz on and that that was as as of this I'm past sorry. weekend as well. Um, go on, David.
2: Uh, I, one thing I've been kind of watching um, was with Louisville. I thought maybe uh, Devion Smith might uh, sign with Louisville or commit to Louisville. Uh, a point guard with all this going on with Devin and uh he ended up over the weekend committing to Mississippi State so I've seen since then that Louisville's kind of made, really making the pitch for Christian lander yeah uh, out of out of the southern Indiana area to move up to, to 2020 uh, uh to play point guard so you know they there looks like they're really trying to go some other directions
0: yeah it's definitely definitely a good sign for Kentucky. Um, both what's going on behind the scenes and just kind of what's, like you said, what what Louisville is doing publicly, going going all in on other guys and um, kind of picking up picking up the pieces from from what they're what they're missing out on. Devin Askew trying did, to make make up did, ground elsewhere. Did you
2: guys have any other? Did, did you guys have any concern about him maybe going back to Memphis and taking another visit? Because I, I read one thing that made me feel good too was because. Uh, if I read it correctly, I don't think he's going, uh, he, he's going back. Uh, he said that wouldn't be something that he did, so uh, uh, that that kind of made me feel, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, pretty positive it's Kentucky anyway, but, you know, I felt that was just another brick in the wall. Well, yeah.
1: like I said last episode, um, I talked to somebody that is close to one of the recruits that was at Memphis's whatever they call it, Memphis Madness, whatever the heck it is, with Devin and Devin told them straight up I'm going to Kentucky. So I mean that's what I'm going off of right now. I've, I'm not really worried about that's Memphis good enough for me. in this regard. Yeah, and and to add to that in terms of that Memphis visit,
0: I had somebody tell me immediately after that uh, after his Memphis visit, somebody close to to Memphis said that Penny was going all in on trying to get him back to back on an official basically said, um, you know, we weren't able to, we weren't able to wine and dine you, you, you know, you and your family the way Kentucky's about to let us give you that, let us give you that same opportunity. Let's give us an equal playing field before, before you make any drastic decision. And I think, I think it kind of gave Devin some pause. I think he even, he even admitted in, in one of those media interviews at uh, USA campus weekend that um, he was considering it, but also added that he wanted to get a decision over with and didn't think that he would be able to commit or be able to take an official in time before his official commitment took place. So I don't want to say Memphis is is thrown out at this point, but um, I mean (coughs) – publicly in terms of what he said he's going to have four hats on the table I don't I don't want to say that that Memphis won't be one of those schools but uh, it's definitely interesting that there that he was not willing to to wait a little bit longer it just kind of shows that he's he is sold on Kentucky and uh, it would be a major 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 shock if he landed anywhere uh, other than Lexington moving on let's go into uh, kind of some recent Jonathan Kaminga buzz. I don't think we talked about this at all last week. I believe Andrew Slater put in a pick for him for LSU. We talked in the past that we definitely thought that his recruitment's kind of an open playing field, that he was was a guy that everybody kind of assumed to be a Duke lock and we kind of confirmed that that was not true. In fact, uh Travis was the first person to break last week that that Duke is actually trending away from from Kaminga, and that they they might not even be a, a legitimate option for him anymore. So that was massive news in this. But in terms of the LSU buzz, uh, in terms of what where Kentucky stands with this, where where do you guys think uh, this is this is all unfolding? And uh, if you had to give a kind of a gut on Jonathan Kaminga, do you think he'll end up in 2020? Do you think he'll end up at, at LSU? What are, what is your just overall thoughts on his recruitment? I think
1: that uh, initially, whenever I'd heard that. Uh, Duke wasn't going to be able to wait on him any longer. I said that that didn't make sense to me, and then it turned out to be true. There has been zero Duke conversation with him. Uh, I thought that might help. Initially, I thought that might help Kentucky because Kentucky had just been in a few times to see him. And the longer it went on, the less UK was talked about. I Honestly, I don't think UK is going to land Jonathan Kaminga. I think he's the best player in high school. I think Kentucky would love to have him, but I just don't see it in the cards. And I think you can clearly see the direction they want to go with Cade, Paolo, and uh, Greg Brown. Greg Brown, David.
2: Yeah, if he does move up to twenty twenty, it just doesn't look to me like you know. There's a lot of buzz there. Like um, you know, we said you know they're 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 moving in other directions, uh, other players that you know that Calipari is really locked in on and as Travis said, it just doesn't look like is in that um, 2021. I really don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I, i right now, I've not, and I haven't watched him as closely as some of these others, because uh, he's just over the past few weeks and months, he's just not looked like a guy who I thought was going to go to Kentucky. And, and I've kind of been looking in some other, other directions, other situations and, you know, I haven't seen anything here recently that would make me think anything differently.
1: Well, another thing that kind of stuck out to me today was a uh, that mock draft was it, did that drop today or yesterday? Uh, the twenty twenty one
0: dropped today. The twenty twenty one well, draft. wasn't well. well they had like, him yeah, in the
1: twenty twenty yeah, draft. That's yeah. what I was going to say. It might
0: have been yes, what whatever it was. Or, yeah,
1: yeah, it was the twenty twenty one draft. Never mind. Um, but they had him in the twenty twenty class, and he was the only one from. That is right now in the 2021 class that they just assumed he's going to reclassify. So, I thought that that was interesting. Another thing, they had him going sixth in that draft. There's no way he's that <laughs> no, low. No, he's, but, uh, he's
0: a he's a potential number one pick, or he he's top three regardless.
1: That that just stuck out to me a little bit. Um, there was no other – I don't have the premium over there, but in the top ten picks, there was zero, zero 2021 kids outside of him.
0: Yeah, it's kind of strange they they – Paolo was not on that list. Devin Askew was not in the entire first round. Um, Thinking of other potential reclass guys. I'm looking
2: at it. I'm looking at it right now. Um, And and I'll just give you the top ten. One, Cade Cunningham. This is 2021 draft. One, Cade Cunningham. Two, Evan Mobley. Three, Jalen Green. Four, Zaire Williams. Five, Terrence Clark. Six, Jonathan Kaminga. Seventh, Jalen Johnson. Eight, uh, I'm not sure who this is. He's from Real Madrid. Nine, Greg Brown. Ten, uh, B.J. Boston. So, um, yeah. And, and the way you said it there, you know, it looks like they're by going by that, like you know, they think he's gonna, he's gonna go 2020.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, we can't look at that list and not factor in that Cunningham at one. Clark at five, Brown at nine, and Boston at ten. Kentucky, if this dream scenario that they're that they're trying to put together comes together, that could be four top ten picks in in the in the twenty twenty one draft. Which would just be, and you know that would just when be you unheard compare of.
2: Compare it to other, and I'm sorry, I'm butting in. We're at different locations. I can't see us. I don't know when when you stop. <laughs> uh, uh, if you look at some of the players that Kentucky's moved on from and you just look at it and say, and I know I do this a lot. I'll say, you know, I would love to be in that war room and just say, okay, why do you pick this player over that player? Why do you back off on this guy? Why do you not offer this kid? And it, it just looked kind of the, their knowledge of some of these guys that they went over. Let's look who they kind of backed off of, uh, you know, Dacian Nix was a guy we talked about earlier. He's seventeenth. Um, Josh Christopher, twenty second. Yeah. Scotty Barnes, twenty sixth. So you know, some of those guys. You look at Scotty Barnes and you say, "Man, we'd love to have that guy. He's a top ten, whatever." And and then you look at the the mock drafts and man, these other guys that that uh, the BJ Boston's and and others are just Terrence Clark's are or, or just so much higher up the board.
0: Yeah. I mean, Travis put it absolute. He, he put it the absolute best a few weeks ago, Kentucky had a pie in the sky scenario, which was Jalen green, Josh Christopher and BJ Boston. And if this goes on, it goes, uh, as it's looking, Travis. Said, you mean to say it? Oh, Travis, it's your it's your punchline. Go it's for it. It's the damn
1: cake in the lake, guys. <laughs> there's no pie in the sky anymore. It's the cake in the
0: lake. Forget pie in the sky. We're talking about a whole wedding cake. That'd just be that just be absolutely massive. Um, and Greg Brown's
2: number nine too.
0: Yeah, that we're we're so oh there's, there's oh five we're included. Guys,
2: right there. Cunningham one, uh, Clark five, uh, Greg Brown nine. Bj Boston Ten. So whenever,
1: uh, or
0: and Paolo, if he reclassifies to twenty twenty, (laughs) that whenever uh, I was talking to uh,
1: the one of the guys around UK, whenever Cade was on uh, his visit this weekend, for one he was like, "Oh, it's been phenomenal. It's been a great visit. Uh, Couldn't be going any better." And then two, he was saying that they're selling Cade on being a part of the greatest class. Like, it's probably going to be the last great class of all time once the one and done ends. Yeah, yeah. But they're talking that's about it's going to be one of the greatest teams of the past couple of centuries. Yeah, Or not centuries, <laughs> decades. Jesus. Might be, <laughs> but, but might well, be well, one of the best century, of the past couple centuries.
2: You go back in, you know, we're only 20 or, or 19 years in. Yeah. But, you know, that's a great point because you're talking about, you know, very soon, like you say, the one and done. So... You know, you look at it and you say, okay, this is the last chance for guys from high school. These elite guys go straight on to the NBA. This is the last opportunity. So, you know. It, 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 it can leave a stamp in history.
1: Gosh dang my math! Like, between my math last week and then me saying I can't I'm tell the difference there. between ten and a hundred, Jesus, I'm
0: sitting here. I'm trying to, David. I'm I'm really trying hard to focus on what you're saying. All I'm shaking well, really <laughs> my head. Bad. One of the, one of the best teams in the last several centuries. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the history of basketball. <laughs> Ooh, we're going back to the peach basket days. Naismith best would be jealous. Team, best team ever. Uh, <laughs> this is what Naismith dreamed of when he created basketball. Uh, okay. Since the
2: eighteen, since the eighteen sixty one uh, London Lakers.
0: <laughs> yep. We the, this team is is going to top that one. Uh, <laughs> we we kind of touched on Kaminga being. Well, we didn't really touch on it, but the fact that there may be some outside factors in that pushing pushing LSU. Um, but just speaking of outside factors pushing a, a specific individual to a specific school, let's talk about Nafali Dante in his recent news today. The uh, former Kentucky target and five-star center, one of the top centers in, in the class of originally in the class of 2020, reclassified to 2019 signed with Oregon today was it was announced that he was initially declared ineligible would be out for the first at least the first 9 games of the year while he was uh, getting getting that situation in order um you know we just kind of talk kind of have to talk about that it was was this a a, uh, a Kentucky luck out on this one or what, what what are your just overall impressions of of this this announcement
1: um here, Dave, you can lead this one off. Yeah, I don't
2: take uh, any joy in it. Yeah, you know, I, I know. I know there're probably ones listening because he didn't pick Kentucky, and they're like, "Ha ha!" But I'm not because um, I, I just think I just think there are situations out there when uh, the kid doesn't get to make a choice, and I think this is one of them. I'm not going to go into any specifics, but. Um, um, everything that I've been told, uh, he, you know, he, they, he wanted to come to Kentucky. The family wanted him to come to Kentucky and uh, uh, it, I'm not going to go any farther than that, but. Uh,
1: Here, I'll, I'll take off from there. I, I was told a couple of weeks ago that he was going to be red flagged to Oregon. And uh, that's why I texted you all and kind uh, of gave you all the heads up for one, anybody that is, Laughing or mocking the kid over this is just a complete idiot. It wasn't the kid's choice. The kid and a lot of good people around him are pushing him to go to Kentucky, but there was one individual that was pushing him to go to Oregon, and that one individual won out in the end. And like I said, this kid had nothing to do with it. And honestly, I think he may have been eligible at Kentucky. I think that Kentucky would have gotten whatever paperwork that they needed. Like, that was the problem. When they were on the visit, they couldn't find paperwork. Oregon ended up not being able to find paperwork. I think that he, they would have pushed Dante to like fit, do classes over again or do something. They would have taken, they would have done what was in his best interest. But the person that was running his recruitment wasn't looking out for his best interest at heart. And I and Kentucky definitely didn't back off. Kentucky was there until the end, and it was just unfortunate that somebody made a very. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Very centered decision. They're just looking out for themselves in that decision. Yeah, it, it, and it's not the first recruit that this guy's done this with. Yeah, it's 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 a
0: shame. If you read his Players Tribune post when he originally committed to Oregon, it, it's a great story. Um, you know wh- where he came from, the journey that he took to get there. Um, he's, he he said in his announcement today when he when it was initially announced that he could that he was ineligible, um, he actually said I had three goals in life I wanted to get out of get out of my poor situations poor situation in Mali I wanted to graduate high school I wanted to go to college and then play college basketball those were, those were the three things that he wanted and um, it it just it's a shame that. I, I still I'm still not convinced that the, it my kind of read on it it kind of feels like the NCAA wanted to make this decision prior to the season as kind of a placeholder while the, while they focused on some of the other big decisions uh, and and just kind of so they could get to get to it later um, I would not be surprised in the slightest if this gets pushed back till. Um, several weeks from now the wording on his on his announcement was kind of like I I want the NCAA to keep in mind my target enrollment date Um, kind of a I I hope that they the, the NCAA is understanding and when I want to start playing all that it didn't feel like he got reassurance from the NCAA that this would be cleared up by a specific date so I wouldn't be surprised if this gets pushed off. I it's it's just a very unfortunate situation, and I, uh, I I feel bad for him. I wish that he was able to choose where he wanted to go. I think he genuinely wanted to go to Kentucky. I think there are people inside his inner circle that wanted to definitely wanted to go go to Kentucky, and um, it's it's just it's just sad. it's 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 a shame. Um, you know, with that, I believe um, well, Travis. You kind of t- We kind of touched on the J.J. trainer stuff a-, a little bit earlier, but you did hear an interesting tidbit on him uh, before we wrap up the show. What 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 do you want to tell people about uh, the trainer situation? Um,
1: some It's nothing groundbreaking, but somebody from Bargetown, my hometown, uh, sent me a message on Twitter the other day and said that uh, they saw J.J. at a restaurant out in Bargetown, and they asked him how the Big Blue Madness went and all that, and he said that He's going to be back up there for the blue-white game this week. And I texted their coach, Boo Brewer, and asked asked him if he could confirm it. He said they were still working on it. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him there. once. Maybe they have something else planned. Well,
2: does that mean anything to you Would he come two weekends in a row?
1: Well, not really because he's local. Um, and he would be going to see real basketball. And like we've said before, Boo and Kenny are really tight. So they'd get to hang out too afterwards. So the uh, – no, I don't. I think there's definitely genuine interest, but I'm not gonna put too much stock into. It's just kind of like Palo going to Washington. Essentially, it's about 45 minutes to an hour drive. Maybe
0: not on trainer's end of thing that end of things that it's not significant that he's going two weeks and weekends in a row. But I do think it is significant that Kentucky's pushing for trainer to visit two weekends in a row because they are. In that those final stages of wanting to decide whether or not they're going to go all in on him, whether or not he's going to receive an offer, whether they're going, they're going to extend an offer rather, and having him in to you know for the focus last weekend was obviously Cade and Paolo. JJ, I'm sure, did not get as much individual attention as he probably hoped, and as much as the Kentucky staff probably hoped. They probably wanted more one-on-one individual time with him, uh, where they could talk, you know, talk specifics on on big decisions such as an offer. And I think that the fact that Kentucky wants him in next weekend kind of indicates that they are still just as serious on serious about him as, as we've kind of hinted at over the last several weeks. And I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if if an offer comes
1: at some point, maybe see, not on the visit, but in the coming weeks. See, my thing is, I talked about last week that different recruiting circles were telling me that UK had uh, – this wasn't one of the ones where I was hinting at the two or three steps ahead, the, the chess and all that. This was one that Boo told me that after – I called him after – or he called me after UK's – or uh, JJ's official – dang, I keep on messing up – after – J.J.'s unofficial visit to Kentucky for practice a week or so ago. He called me and said that, he's like, rude boy, Cal's got a plan. And he's like, I can't go. He's he's like, you really think I'm going to screw that up? He's like joking with me. He's like, I I can't tell you that part. He tells <laughs> me everything, and he can't tell me that part. So I was like, yeah, damn, I know this is serious. So I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. Definitely, definitely respect that. But at the I'll same time, sure I think J.J. is – the type that could come in and benefit being a multi year kid and going against these guys that are the top targets. He would develop so quickly at UK.
2: You talk about multi year, let's go back to what you talked about a while ago. You know, twenty twenty two. You know, how does that if that is the year that one and done's done away with and, and a lot of these elite high school kids like Coach Calipari recruits can't go or or rather can go to the NBA, uh, it may be a lot more important for him that he has some kids who stay that are going to be there. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, like a JJ. And who knows, like maybe Dante Allen would be a senior by then. So he's got some kids who have been around the program who have some experience. And and now all of a sudden you have some kids that are, are juniors and seniors who are, are, you know, on that roster and uh, uh, who are really good players.
1: I think J.J., watching him, I can't wait to watch him actually play here in a couple of weeks, but watching him work out and talking to people close to him and people like scouts that have watched him from colleges, high school analysts, NBA guys, they think that a college weight room and high level competition, they think that with those things that he could be a end of the first round, start of the second round type of pick within two to three years. So I think the sky's the limit with him, and, you're, and he's not even scratching the surface yet. But like I said, with the with what UK is going for right now, the cake in the lake, <laughs> playing against them every single day, I think if that was to come to fruition, I think that that would really benefit a guy like JJ and really benefit a team like Kentucky because they're going to have a high turnover rate after next season, next season as well.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely be something to to look at uh, closely. Uh, David, I kind of gave I, I gave Travis a little platform of his own to you know go on go on a last second spiel. Do you have anything anything else you want to hey, add before we jump off?
2: Let, let me let me ask you two a question right quick. And this wasn't on the schedule. We have not discussed this at all. But since you brought it up, I'll ask you two. Uh, do you have any expectations for the blue and white game? Is there anything specifically that you guys want to see?
1: Um, <laughs> I want to see Sestina in a game, um, in a game setting, against high level. Well, they're not Richards and EJ haven't proven to be high level yet, but they're higher level than what he's playing game in a game out at Bucknell. I want to see how he does in that matchup, and I want to see the two wild cards for this year's team. I'm really confident in. Hagans, and Juzang, I think the two uh wild cards are going to be Whitney and Keon Brooks. Yeah, I'm looking at the
0: scrimmage that that took place after the big or scrimmage in very strong you quotes. Want to call that. that is not a, it was not a scrimmage in the slightest, but whatever looking at whatever the heck that was last weekend, uh I I'm looking forward to not that. Uh if if that if that makes it sound any better. Um I'm definitely looking closely at Emmanuel quickly as as one of the main guys. Ashton Hagens gets all the buzz. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is the the biggest name recruit that they signed, and and he's definitely expected to be. I believe he was third team or maybe second team All SEC announced team today with yeah. Uh, EJ. Yeah, second team. So I mean, there the there's definitely high hopes for him uh, publicly. You know, nationally, there there's. People are, are definitely expecting a lot, a lot out of him. But there's a lot of rumblings behind the scenes that Emmanuel Quickly's had a phenomenal summer and mm-hmm. that he's the guy that people need to watch closely for. That uh, I was told by one individual close to Kentucky that he's going to be just really hard to keep off the floor. So just seeing what the heck that kind of came from, why there's so much confidence. I mean, he shot he shot lights out at last weekend in the, in the, in the three-point contest. He won it. Um, he looked good at, at the – Pro day two weekends ago, so there's a lot of buzz with him. I'm thrilled to see what Johnny Juzang looks like in a, in a game setting in, in terms of shooting. I uh, I'm, like you said, I'm, I'm interested in Nate Sestina. I want to see how Khalil Whitney has improved his ball handling because he's a guy that uh, averaged like four turnovers a game in, in AAU in, in high school. So he's he's a guy that I want to see how he has uh, tightened his game up a little bit. But yeah, just I, I just want to see some some live game action because last week was uh was not that
2: you know if um all of these guys uh, you know you have so many freshmen that come in there's so many things that we want to see if i had to to narrow it down um obviously i think nate sustina how he can do against these guys but you know ej montgomery and nick richards are i I hope they're playing against each other i would think they would and i want to kind of see if uh either one of them what they can bring offensively uh you know richards posting up around the bucket there was once or twice in reps uh drill reps and four on four and five on five you know at, at pro day where he's just still didn't look to me like he could get down there if his back to the bucket and get position I, I thought he went up weekly but we'll see more you know at, at the scrimmage hopefully but uh I want to see E.J. Montgomery, uh, can he get down there and score? What does that shot look like when he pulls Richards away from a bucket? Can he make a perimeter jumper? Can he get by him? How much confidence does he have? Because I felt like a lot of times with we have, we have the players they had in front of them last year, I thought the two players the hook got particularly quick for yeah. was Montgomery and quickly. I just don't yeah. think they were really allowed to make mistakes. So I just want to see now. I think maybe they'll have a little bit more wiggle room, kind of see how they respond to that. You know, obviously Maxi likes to see what he brings. I, I want to see what Khalil Whitney's jumper looks like. Yeah. And not Whether or not he makes them. I want to see what his shot form looks like from outside, if he can get some outside shots in a game situation. So there, there'll be things I'll be looking for. Hagan's I don't think we'll get a read on, on him as much in this game because I think it's going to come down – to when Hagen's plays, when he's scouted, you know, it may be February before we can really get a a, kind of an idea on him, because I just think when you're out here and you're playing and early on, you're playing some of these teams who aren't as good uh, early in the year that, um, you know, he can probably do what he wants to do. It's a more freer flowing game, but I want to see teams that can have scouting reports on him and have the talent to execute that, and just see how he responds this year.
0: Yeah, definitely. It'll that is Friday night at um, I believe seven o'clock on the SEC network. Um, you know, I don't know the specific time. It's not sitting right in front of me, but yes, it's definitely going to be something fun to watch and uh, get us prepared for a fun, hopefully fun football game on Saturday against against Georgia. Um, before we wrap this up, uh, why why don't we have you guys say where you can. F- they can find your work and uh, where they can find you on social media.
2: Okay. Uh, David Sisk, Coach David Sisk on Twitter. Please give me a follow, and uh, you can find me on the Kentucky Rivals Network at Cats Illustrated. And, by the way, too, we need a Yankees win here. Sure. They just lost to the Astros. But in the eight times Kentucky has won national championships, six times, 1949, 51, 58, 78, 96, and 98, they won the national championship. If Yankees won the World Series, nineteen forty-eight, two thousand twelve, were the only two times. Useless trivia, but
0: it's great you know, trivia. Know. I I I like it. I'm I'm a Red Sox fan, so I am not cheering for the Yankees. But if it means a Kentucky championship, I, that is something I can get behind, Travis.
1: Well, I'm a Reds fan, so I don't have anything <laughs> to like live for at this point.
0: Yeah,
2: the, uh, hey, they got Maraldis. You got a Raul- Devin, Raul- Chapman.
0: Yeah, you can you can cheer for him from yeah from from your couch.
1: The uh, let's see, you can follow me on Twitter at trav_underscore_graff. You all are killing me in followers, so please <laughs> get me. I'm seven away from three thousand, so then I can kind of brag to these two. Um, you can follow me, follow my other podcast on Twitter at catscan_pod with a K. That that the catscan podcast is on. Apple Podcast and on Spotify, and anywhere you can find podcasts. And you can find my work alongside David's at Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. Very cool. You got know, and-
2: doubled your followers in a month.
1: Yeah, he he puts out good work. You you guys both yeah, are. He's yeah. locked up.
2: He, man, It's because you all be tag me and y'all got all the followers. You will have that blue check mark beside him here in about a year.
0: No, I, I want to get it first to, to rub it in both of your all's faces and then you guys <laughs> and then you guys. Can, all right, the first one to get a blue check
1: mark. Buzz Jeff Rubin All right,
0: <laughs> all right, and uh, uh, with if that, I
2: start getting blown out on this thing. I'm gonna start talking about politics. <laughs> <I don't laughs> Let's, do, well, I think that's the thing that gets you up to about a million. <laughs> is, a million is that million
0: is, is that what that is? Um if you are interested in sponsoring the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR or via email uh, at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Uh, we will be back next week for another Jam packed Source Say podcast. We will see you, you then.
2: The hang-ups we have today.